0: Welcome, my name is Xavier Zarr and I am the CEO of Federation Square. Today I am delighted to welcome Veronica Pagot who is the CEO of Multicultural Arts Victoria. Through her work she has led an ambitious agenda of social and artistic transformation for people with a disability and the communities in which they live. With a passion for social justice and equity she has spearheaded campaigns relating to inclusion of all people in arts and culture, as both audiences and cultural innovators. Veronica has a successful history of employment at senior levels in the non-profit sector, with a major focus on policy and advocacy. Welcome, Veronica.
1: Thank you for having me, Young.
0: You were appointed to the role of CEO of Multicultural Arts Victoria in 2018. And before that, you were the Executive Director of Arts Access Victoria. The state's leading arts and disability organisation. Tell us about the professional and personal journey that brought you to this point.
1: Oh that's a very complex history I think having I suppose quite unusual for the arts. I don't have a background in the arts. My work has always been with communities particularly with a social justice focus so actually trained as a linguist. Um, um, My specialisation is in Australian Sign Language which of course is the language of the deaf community And I worked for a long time very closely with that community and very inspired by that community to bring some of that knowledge to other communities around how culture, the role of language and culture in connecting communities, in empowering communities and ensuring that those communities can really advance um, in terms of opportunities.
0: Well, it's, uh, you know, it it resonates, you know, what you say about migration defining uh, much of our our perspective. I mean, unlike you, I was born here, but my parents were migrants from the Italian-speaking part of the Dalmatian coast. And, you know, it's interesting, even though that was now 40 years ago (laughs) um, or more, that you know it never seeks to indelibly sort of mark your your sort of you know your perceptions and your experience you know when you go back when you stay uh, the way you see the world and um you know that that's that's part of the melbourne i love here um at federation square we really pride ourselves as melbourne's gathering place a, a meeting point for you know what makes melbourne great you know art and culture and community and conversation sport you know where you know, before COVID, it'd be 10 million people a year coursing through um, uh, through the square. And um, COVID-19 changed that, changed that uh, in a major way. It's really challenged us to find a connection, you know, with our, our people. What has COVID-19 meant for Multicultural Arts Victoria?
1: Well, lots of things. I think it would probably be appropriate for me to say that You know, a lot of our communities are really suffering at the moment. We know that COVID has disproportionately affected multicultural communities for lots of reasons, often to do with the kind of structural inequities that they're already already living in. So, you know, the world is not an equal place. We don't all experience lives in society and community on an equal basis. And we know that many communities are, are already experiencing enormous distress. This has made things immeasurably worse for some communities and and so we're really conscious of that um in our work we've been working so hard over the last six months to really monetize um, our work so that artists the, the artists of color that we work with the multicultural artists have an, an income because we know that arts by and large you know arts income, are artists income for artists have dried up And, you know, you couple that with the underemployment that already exists within a lot of communities of colour and it spells disaster. So for us, it's been about creating a new commissions program where artists have been supported to continue to work during this pandemic. We're providing resources to artists to be able to be in conversation, in dialogue and collaboration with their peers so in really addressing the issue of isolation that is so pervasive during this moment, but also a chance of reflection. I think many organisations have taken this moment to really interrogate those questions of purpose. Why are we here? What do we need? Why, why are organisations needed? And to be in conversation with our stakeholders to really understand how we can make a difference so that when we do get to a point of kind of normality, if there is such a thing, we're not going backwards, that the the, the future that we're working towards actually addresses some of these underlying inequalities that is the scourge of so many community members' lives.
0: So you you talk about the role of of Multicultural Arts Victoria, you know, as an organisation, you know, your your stated commitment is around the arts and artists' contribution to the narratives that shape who we are as a multicultural nation. Tell us about the organisation that is MAV.
1: Well, it's been around for a long time. So I think a lot of Melbournians would have had some contact with MAV at some point. It's really been an organisation that has celebrated diversity and enabled pathways for diverse artists. You know, when people come to this country, very often they bring a rich and elaborate cultural practice that reflects, you know, the work of their ancestors, the kind of, you know, that historical context of of, of their country. They bring it here. And here they begin to innovate, they begin to make connections with local artists, local communities, and that art practice becomes reimagined in the context of a contemporary multicultural society. So the work of the organisation is really about creating platforms for those artists. We have to say, though, that it's not always easy. I mean, the art sector is challenged to, to be representative and I think we see that on our stages and screen, perhaps still the dominance of a monoculture and we've got a long way to go before we have um, equity in this space where diverse artists feel equally seen, supported, resourced, platformed, all of these sorts of things. So it's a really critical organisation to bring in this conversation to the fore. You know, unfortunately, if you don't, if you, we're not advocating for diverse artists, those opportunities just aren't there. The sector really needs needs to do quite a lot of examining of its own biases and the extent to which it's really supporting those who are already connected, those who understand how the systems work. We need to do a lot more to be you know, a fair and equitable sector.
0: So, Veronica, you present an image of a, of a gap between what we see on our stages and, and who we are and what we face. So how how do you see art bridging community differences, you know, with a view to well, more than harmony, um, you know, diversity and celebration?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Xavier. I mean, I think art is one of the most powerful tools we have for change, for social connection, cohesion, all of those great things that we want from our society because I think artists, have a way of presenting issues that can be a bit disarming. You know, sometimes I think when we're in, you know, further conversation about values, shall we say, people can feel that that's quite a didactic position to hold, but artists kind of come in, you know, underneath issues. And I don't know, I I suppose artists are really great at finding new languages and new ways of communicating things. And I think for our society to really flourish, we have to really engage with the issue of our multiculturalism. It can't just be something that sits on the periphery of our consciousness. We really need to understand what it means to be a diverse nation, a diverse society. And I think artists are uniquely positioned to communicate the value of diversity, not just as a nice thing to have, but as a fundamental aspect of our society building where every citizen feels like they have a role and can make a contribution. So. For me, it's a powerful tool and uh, not utilised enough, I think, in the public policy space to communicate those important messages about not only who we are but who we want to be.
0: So speaking of the society we want to become, a lot of that is, at least as a first step, um, you know, awareness and education and MAV really is that intersection of, you know, art and artists and that education and awareness Um that, uh, that supports you know activism. What do you think creative communities need to do to raise awareness of the importance and, uh, and impact of the art sector in that regard, but also around, you know, the life of cities and communities?
1: Well I think you'd be hard pressed to find an individual at the moment who didn't personally appreciate the value of art. I mean, isn't hasn't it been saving all of us in this moment we've all been engaging with artists? I don't know whether it's Whether community members quite get the link though, when they're watching, you know, watching a streaming service, a movie, listening to a podcast, reading a book, or listening to music, that this is the work of artists. And artists have been saving us for months now. I mean, imagine having to do the pandemic without the work of artists. It would be a completely horrific experience and one not even worth contemplating. So I think that the important thing for communities to realise is that. Artists are fundamental workers. They are essential workers. They're essential to our mental health, to our sense of well-being, our connection with others. And and I think it's so important that we begin to talk about artists in this way. And to do that, we really need to challenge this perception that the arts is a kind of elite pursuit. And for that, you need multiculturalism because, of course, when you look at our society, what do we see? We see that more than 50% of Australians, Victorians, are born overseas or have one parent born overseas. They're incredibly diverse. But if the arts sector doesn't reflect that diversity, that's a missed opportunity. That's a missed opportunity to build in value so that everyone, every citizen, when they're executing their power of the vote, for example, has in their mind the importance of artists and artistic communities to our lives. So I think that's a, that's a piece that's missing in terms of the, the broader social discourse around, you know, the work of artists. I'd like to see that um, through this moment of pandemic, one of the things that comes out of it is a new awareness of how reliant we are on artists and maybe also a challenge to that um, most common of um, habits, I think, that we have as a general public and that is to expect this sort of stuff for free, you know, streaming of free content. But is that really a reasonable proposition and is that, is that a, a reasonable thing to ask of our artists when they've been, you know, saving our bacon and yet, you know, we're, we're looking for, for that product to be delivered to us at no cost. I think that's something that we could really challenge.
0: And it's a very topical matter at the moment, isn't it, Veronica? Again, a major event being um, a grand final in Prospect in Queensland and and that debate about uh, performers being asked to volunteer um, as far than entertainment. It hasn't changed. I recall the same discourse uh, in the Commonwealth Games uh, when it was in Melbourne. You know, I, I, it, it needs to change. You talk about the importance, the criticality of of art uh, in all its forms as we endure this this pandemic. You know, COVID-19's changed a lot of what we do and, and the way we approach things. I've spoken to some of your peers from galleries and other cultural institutions and they've, they've had to embrace alternative ways to connect, to present and to enrich the lives of their audiences through the pandemic. What's been MAV's experience? Well,
1: of course, I mean, like most organisations where you know, fully into the digital space. And that's that's terrific. I think that gives us access to new audiences and connects artists, um, not only locally, but internationally to create works that perhaps, you know, we haven't imagined. It's not that 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 technology hasn't been available, but I think we've been forced to really confront our um, kind of fears of technology and also our sense of its limitations. I think that this moment has really forced us to embrace all of the great things that technology provides. But again, I would say that it's important to recognise that access to technology isn't equal either. And there are many communities that don't have access to, you know, effective technology. So for us, it's about bridging the old and the new, it's about understanding that everyone's experience is different. And, you know, it's great having content online, but, you know, there's nothing that can beat that that interaction, that transformative experience that comes from sitting in a room with someone and really deeply engaging with their lived experience. So we've been trying to find lots of ways to replicate that experience as well through storytelling with artists telling incredible um, tales, not just of this moment, but of their journeys. And, And I hope that when we finally come out of this pandemic, that we can continue to embrace technology, but also combine it powerfully with the importance of that personal interaction and that engagement. What we need is fewer people living in, you know, their their kind of corners and much more opportunities to, to come together. And I think, you know, Fed Square is an interesting kind of uh, structure for that because of its centrality it's and the idea of that, you know, the square, the, the public square where people come and mingle, meet, exchange, that's going to be so needed when we come out of this. I think people are desperate for that connection And the opportunity to reimagine what public places might be um, post-pandemic is exciting um, and one in which we can really interrogate what's keeping some people away. In particular, I think, you know, the relationship between cities and the the kind of extremities as well and how we create connections across our city.
0: I mean, connections across the city are so so important um you know there's our geographical centrality at fed square and there's also the fact that um there's so many activities around us um we 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 see ourselves as a bit of a concierge you know come cultural metro come and then just go um experience don't worry about the timetable you know it's all around you and it's interesting to to posit with uh, how that will recover you know from the pandemic you know it's been a bruising six months and we've got a, a, a journey yet but what i would say is that our much loved cultural community festivals many of them culturally and ethnically based which would normally dominate uh fed square from uh you know from august you know right through um to to, to christmas they're um they're all keen to come back and they're all Scrambling and trying to reimagine themselves in a COVID-safe environment, and you know our challenge is to work with them to find a way. But the appetite to come back together is is absolutely there. So whether or not we can deliver a summer like no other, as um, as as um, Premier Andrews um, has described at a few of his press conferences, remains to be seen. But we're optimistic. What I would ask you, though, Veronica, is a common theme that comes out of those in the creative space and in, and cultural institutions and organisations is that is that they've found something valuable and new in COVID-19 that they've had to do and that they now want to continue doing? What would that be for you?
1: It's an interesting question, Davia, because one of the things that's been really exciting about this moment is engagement with young people. And, you know, the digital space is something that young people are uniquely suited to. And, And it's a space that is still yet to be fully kind of colonized and explored in one sense. Young people have got an opportunity to come into that space. They understand it. They know how to work within it. It you know, there are, the rules are there to be broken in those spaces. And I think that it's a really egalitarian and democratic space. It can be. And not to say that, you know, there aren't all there aren't issues and challenges in that space, particularly issues of safety for young people. But I'm really hopeful about what they will do in those spaces because, you know, to be honest, a lot of the other spaces in terms of when you think about cultural infrastructure in Melbourne, it's really dominated by um, existing kind of power structures, shall we say. It's very difficult, for example, for a group of young people to think about getting a show up at something like Arts Centre Melbourne. Not not to say that Arts Centre Melbourne wouldn't be interested, but there's a whole lot of barriers, you know, in place. You know, in this digital domain I think it's going to be really interesting to see how young people continue to create connect and and change some of those structures through these uh, new mechanisms and I think we should we should really empower them and we also need to think about how we're shifting some of the resource functions as well because I think you know so much of the resourcing of the arts comes to institutions and whilst that's important what this moment is showing us is that there are other ways to make art. There are other structures that actually facilitate the role of creatives. And this digital space is really critical. So I'm hoping that, you know, there's been a bit of a light bulb moment for arts funders and, and, and organisations to say, you know, is it always about bricks and mortar?
0: Well, that would be a positive. Here at Fed Square. You know, we we do see ourselves as reflecting and building on on our communities and amplifying uh, the culture of diversity that defines the best of Melbourne. That is when Melbourne's at its best. With regard to the MAV, how do you go about making sure you have a diverse range of artists, performances
1: and exhibitions? Well, I think you need to ask yourself some really hard questions there as about what's keeping people away. You know, I think that there's an enormous desire on the part of multicultural communities to be part of the arts world, to be celebrating their cultural products with the rest of the community. But there are some significant barriers in the way, and one of them is, of course, cost. You know, these events are very costly to produce, and, you know, at Fed Square, there's no doubt it it costs. So how do we um, engage in a different conversation about value? How do we understand what are these communities contributing when they come and hold their festivals and events at a at you know such an important location it's more than just the transaction on the day it's the intangible results as well around how we begin to define ourselves and understand ourselves as a multicultural community as a diverse community i think having people on on teams who are diverse having you know having a relationship that lasts longer than the day you know so that you're not just you have a moment in time when you're connecting with a particular community. You might not see them again for another year. How do we not do that? How do we build an ongoing dialogue with communities so that they see places like your place, see it as their place, see Fed Square and other other institutions as, as a place where you know there's a there's an opportunity to come and celebrate and exchange and and showcase not just on the, that one day of the year. I think this is the challenge. One of the great things about Fed Square has always been we've been able to have that ongoing dialogue around, you know, how do you diversify what you know, your offering is to the, to, to the broader Victorian community? So I would say the challenge is how do we do this every day? How do we practise multiculturalism every day, not just on whatever special day of the year um, we've landed on?
0: Uh, look, that's a point well made. You know, the recently completed review of Federation Square, which has gone on for over a year, you know, certainly highlighted that. That's something that we at Fed Square acknowledge that um, you know access is something that uh, we need to improve, and it's something that we want to do in partnership with our uh, various communities who have really made a home of Fed Square for a decade, sometimes longer. So I take that challenge. I haven't got an answer for you now, but it's uh, it's certainly something that's important to us. I want to go a bit deeper. Really interested to read on the ambitions on um, MAV. You know, you you talk about wanting to work and draw attention on residual bigotry and intolerance. That's a, a major focus for yourself. And in, in implicit in that work, I guess, is the the idea of challenge, you know, of challenging traditional concepts and turning them into new works. How does MAV challenge that fear of the different, you know, which is probably at the root of um, you know, our enemy of, of diversity?
1: It's a great question. How do we all do that? Is it a responsibility of citizenship to really challenge those sorts of framings of diversity I mean I think it's been super concerning that over the last few weeks we've seen a rise in COVID related racism who would have thought in a society like um, Melbourne where there is such strong support for multiculturalism that that kind of that kind of behavior that kind those kinds of attitudes still are pervasive and I think it's you know for me the question is What does it mean for us all as citizens who deeply value our diversity? Because we say that we do, you know, year in, year out, all of our surveys show that Victorians overwhelmingly support multiculturalism. So what does that mean when we observe racist content in our media, on our streets, in our communities? What does it mean for each of us? And I think that one of the really important opportunities is for us to unpack what it might mean for us as bystanders. To witness that and what we might do to actually assert um you know our, our our disgust of that kind of behavior and to send a really strong message to multicultural communities that when we say that we value multiculturalism we mean it and I think you know in terms of an artistic practice there's a great opportunity I think for artists to call some of that out I don't even know whether we're all aware of how different the experience is for some people in our community. Many of us go through our lives not really deeply, fortunately for them, not deeply understanding the experience of racism, but if you've been in a community that's been targeted and and this is your daily experience, it's incredibly tiring, incredibly wearing. So how do we show greater empathy as a community to those experiences and own our own complicity in some of that? One of the things that I'd really challenge all Victorians to do is to think about who they're watching on, on their screens, who they're reading, you know, whose music they're listening to, and does it reflect diverse Australia? Does it reflect First Nations content? Does it reflect diverse artists, creatives of colour? And I think this is a way that we can all begin to engage much more deeply in the experience of multiculturalism before, beyond just you know, the rhetoric, which is great to hear, But how this is how we live those values by really deeply engaging in the experiences of multicultural communities. So I think artists, you know, are fundamental to that. It's a way that we can easily connect. There's amazing writers, you know, diverse writers writing about their experiences. Make sure that they're on your reading list. Make sure that you've got a, you know, your your podcasts are diverse. We can all do that. There's nothing stopping us. And in doing that, we we really start to to change the narrative around who we who we are.
0: You know, you raise some um, interesting points. You know, multiculturalism is more than just celebrating diversity. It's about actively overcoming the barriers, which are different for different communities. And our First Nations brothers and sisters face the greatest barriers. You know, I'm constantly amazed at the, I suppose, the, the continuing racism in some of my older migrant family members. You know, themselves having faced, um, you know, journey and disadvantage and yet being almost at times blind. Maybe it's a function of of their age or just sheer ignorance or the lack of challenge. That's another question. But, you know, more than simple diversity, our conversations need to deal with with the concept of redress, self-determination and righting the wrong. What does that mean in a first people's context? What does that mean? For MAV, in building a dialogue that responds, you know, to the themes of migration, settlement, but also colonisation?
1: Yeah, well, you know, when I reflect on my own experiences as a migrant, you know, I, I had no notion, and I doubt my parents did as well, of what it meant to come to this country, a country, you know, with the oldest continuous living culture, a country, you know, in which sovereignty was never ceded. I think that was never part of our migration experience. It took us a long time to even understand and appreciate what we had come to and that's a that's a terrible shame i think I, I i suspect that things are a bit different but not vastly different it's so important i think you know in terms of our migration policy that we allow people when they come to this country to deeply understand and interrogate what it is that it means to be part of a settler colonial society. It's so important that we build opportunities for greater solidarity between our communities. And yes, there are many shared experiences. There are many differences as well. But within those shared experiences, there is an opportunity to really strengthen our sense of friendship, engagement, support and solidarity for the struggles of First Peoples and also what needs to come next in terms of reconciliation and reparations. And I think migrants have a really central role to play in that because their experience is very—it feels very fresh and quite recent.
0: So let's go to the future. What does the future hold uh, for MAV? What, what are your ambitions? What does next year look like?
1: Well, we've got huge ambitions. But I would say that the first one is not to go backwards. It really rubs me up the wrong way when I hear people say, oh, I can't wait to get back to where we were. And I I want to say to them, no, we actually do not want to go back to where we were. Where we were was not good for many people. And so how do we go forward now in a way that enables us to actually deal with some of that inequality that actually has been so problematic for so many individuals and communities? How do we actually build a, a vision for what it might be like in our community that is much more fair, much more equal for for all of our citizens. So we're looking forward to opportunities to really invest in these communities. We're really asking arts organisations not to go back to their traditional ways of working, not to go back to those traditional relationships, but ask themselves, who hasn't been coming through their doors? Who haven't they been working with? and to prioritise those relationships. We have a new festival that's starting next year, which is a platform, a new platform for creatives of colour to show to not only the Victorian and Melbourne public, but to the world, you know, their incredible talents, how they're reimagining their artistic practice in the context of our kind of contemporary society with our contemporary challenges, looking some of those hard conversations in the eye not skirting around the edges of those dangerous conversations. So we're hoping to bring together hundreds of creatives of color for our festival, and hopefully you know it'll be terrific to see Fed Square jump on board as a key partner in this because I think we won't we won't have seen anything quite like it before. And again, it's that commitment to let's not go backwards, let's be ambitious, let's be courageous, and imagine a new future in which equity is at the heart of everything that we do. And that these communities feel embraced by us, their cultures, everything that they, they offer us um, is something that we deeply value and consider an asset. Not a problem to be solved, but actually the solution to our problems.
0: This sentiment you express about... You know the future is about not going backwards not reverting but to to address those things that we've identified to hold on to those things we we discovered but to have higher ambitions going forward um i think that's so important it would be a waste of a crisis. Too much has been paid, too much has been sacrificed, and I think um, I think it's incumbent on, on all of us, you and I, and you know those that we work with, uh, to do exactly that. And you know, I'm a little embarrassed that I've been in this role for a year. I know we've been in lockdown for the best part of six months, but it, this is our first meeting, and yet really we should have been talking all along. And and COVID nineteen has forced us to go virtual, and that's what this podcast is part of. And that's made us meet and that's made us talk. And my challenge is to make sure that we take that on the other side. So um, I would have failed. We would have failed if we don't do that. So I think that's really important, Veronica. So the public, how can they get involved in the work of multicultural arts, Victoria?
1: Well, like everyone, we're online now. So there is incredible artists making work that we've featured on our website. So hop on board, just Google and you'll find us um there's incredible artists who are making work right now who really need the public's support so i would encourage everyone to be thinking about how they're reaching out how they're engaging with diverse artists you know just that simple thing that we spoke about before Xavier, of just checking out who you're reading who you're listening to get on board and listen and have a look at some of these incredible artists it starts there those relationships um are just so crucial. and I think also recognizing that artists are doing it really tough right now, and we've relied on them, but they really need our support as well. It is a two-way street. so it's time for us to give back, I think, to artistic communities as we're coming out of this, you know to think about the moment that we've had together with them, how they've held us in that moment, and how what are we going to do for them now that things are starting to ease and hopefully, we're on the path to recovery. True
0: that. Hopefully, we're on that path. Veronica, it's been a wonderful conversation, and um, really just the beginning. I hope for uh, Fed Square and uh, Multicultural Arts Victoria. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation, and I'd like to thank you for your time today.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure, and I I look forward to meeting in person, but also I think continuing what has been a really terrific relationship between MAV and Fed Square and more to the point that we can be a conduit for communities um, to engage much more in that space. It is a central space and I wish you all the best in your journey ahead and look forward to being able to connect further down the track.
0: Thank you, Veronica. New episodes of Anything But Square are released every Wednesday and we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to our newsletter at fedsquare.com. Take care, and we'll see you next Wednesday.